Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The newest housing outlook offers some insight into what might happen in Hamilton in the next couple of years. Canadians are trying to cope as inflation continues to rise. A GoFundMe campaign has been launched to help victims of a fire in Hamilton. The Bulldogs starting their OHL playoff run on the right foot. And experts says Canada is doing poorly in its climate change efforts. And a small town in Italy just can't get rid of a bear with a sweet tooth. The GMH Podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton Podcast on 900 CHML. The housing market, in particular the lack of affordability, is on many people's minds these days. Whether you're a first-time home buyer and trying to figure out how the heck you're going to afford a home in this market, or even a retiree who's planning to downsize and maybe questioning when to sell, where to go. There are a myriad of questions, as we know. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation has released its 2022 Housing Market Outlook, a document that um, you know, looks ahead. It anticipates emerging trends in the housing sector and looks for uh, things that perhaps you can capitalize on. Joining us to dive into this market report is Anthony Passarelli, Senior a- Analyst for uh, Hamilton Hall and Peel with Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Anthony, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. Before we dig into some of the local analysis that you have, what are some of the general highlights that you can share from a national perspective? What are we looking at across Canada? Across the country, the story uh, in Hamilton is is fairly similar to across the country, uh, a little bit different in terms of the current conditions in Hamilton, but across the country as a whole, we are forecasting that you know we'll continue to see mortgage rates rise, and that will start to uh, dampen sales activity, which you know over the past two years has been at record levels. So we do expect to see less sales activity across the country, and that will help to moderate some of the price growth that we've seen again at record levels over the past few years. We don't necessarily think that prices will will fall, but the, the, the growth will slow down. Uh, and that's a lot to do with the lack of supply that exists in the market currently uh, relative to demand. The uh, report predicts home ownership will decline uh, with the growth in prices expected to outpace income growth and that rental affordability will also continue to decline. So more of the same, I guess? To an extent, yes. Like in terms of uh, in Hamilton, you know, you, you're inheriting the situation that we're entering the forecast period is is important to know. So that uh, a vastly un- undersupplied housing market, uh, where even if sales are to start to moderate, which we think they will, based on mortgage rates continuing to rise, uh, even with sales slowing down. The conditions uh, are so extreme right now in terms of the lack of inventory for sale that you could still see prices grow, albeit at a lower rate, over the next couple years. And what that means is it is still difficult for those prospective buyers, you know, the ones that are either renting or, say, living at home with their parents, to consider buying a home because the borrowing costs are continuing to rise and those buyers tend to be more sensitive to changes in, in mortgage rates. 
Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Anthony Passarelli, Senior Analyst for Hamilton Halton Peel with Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. We're looking at uh, the latest housing outlook, the housing market outlook from CMHC. Uh, for Hamilton proper, the projections indicate a strong price growth, a more balanced market, uh, and sales trending downward as the year goes on. So we're looking at uh, maybe a not as a, a, a crazy market that we've seen the last couple of years. That's right. So those mortgage rate increases that we're, we're, we're predicting that I already mentioned, they, you know, will continue to dampen the sales activity because, you know, as more buyers are, are they can't borrow as much, you know, some of them will choose not to buy uh, and others will just shift their preference to maybe a less expensive property. So one trend that we highlight in the report uh, going forward is, people shifting towards less expensive homes. So that means, uh, for example, uh, condo apartments uh, will likely outperform and and certain regions of Hamilton, such as the center and east areas, which are a little less expensive, will will likely outperform over the next couple of years, given that uh, you know, uh, buyers would be able to borrow less money to purchase a home. Those uh, multi-unit housing uh, developments, whether new or existing, is uh, going to be a big focus, certainly for the city of Hamilton. We know that the urban growth uh, plan here in the city is to not grow out, but to grow up. So is that where most of the intensity is going to be focused on? Yes, we we highlight that in the report as well. The uh, and, and this is something that's already occurring in Hamilton uh, even prior to that decision by the city. You know, that, that most of the new home activity is in the apartments and townhomes, and that just will continue to occur. Uh, so few few of the new homes will be single detached homes. There will be apartments and townhomes, and more of them will be concentrated in that central area, you know, around the, the, the light rail transit. So there will be more density in the city of Hamilton and those homes are being built also because uh, of the price point you know there's a very low supply of townhomes and apartments for sale in the resale market and those are homes that are a little bit more affordable to purchase so uh, building more of those homes makes sense from that perspective and also from the perspective that they fulfill also the rental demand which is going to be very high in Hamilton a lot of those homes are rented out as well uh, townhomes and apartments and, and building more of them is important to keeping the vacancy rates in Hamilton at a level that the rent growth doesn't get accelerated any further than it already has. Interesting stuff. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation releasing its 2022 housing market outlook. Anthony Passarelli has been with us uh, diving into this outlook. Um, Anthony, appreciate the time today. Thanks for the analysis. Thanks, Rick. Thanks again, Anthony. Again, some of the highlights. Price growth will continue to be strong in 2022 in the housing market here in Hamilton. We're going to have a more balanced market over the next couple of years, certainly in 2023 and 2024. Sales activity is going to trend downward uh, over the next uh, year or so. And uh, those multi-unit housing starts expected to remain at elevated levels, not only this year, but for the next couple of years as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Realistically, no one is spared when uh, you know when you get this kind of broad-based 
uh, inflationary impulse. And uh, I, I doubt many people are seeing their, their wages rising anything close uh, to 6.7%. So it's cutting into purchasing power pretty much across the board. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. That is the voice of BMO Chief Economist Douglas Porter, who says, uh, listen, the gap between prices and wages is simply not sustainable in this country. As we saw the annual inflation rate, it's 6.7% in March. That is outpacing wage gains of 3.4% year over year. Clearly, Canada's inflation rate is creating some major affordability concerns. Paul Anatyuk is a vice president and licensed insolvency trustee at BDO Debt Solutions and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Rick, I'm doing great. It's Friday. It's sunny. So we do have some positives out there. Despite all this inflation uh, talk we're going to have, there are positives out there. So take time today. Take a look outside. It's a beautiful day. And it's Earth Day as well. So you can do something green and hopefully save a little green while doing uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about, including uh, really a double whammy is what we're facing. We're facing higher inflation and rising interest rates. Uh, Something's got to give. 100% 100% something's got to give it. And you heard Douglas Porter, you know, talking about it. Uh, we're at 6.7% in March, and it's the fastest year-over-year increase since uh, 1991. In fact, it's a full percentage than what the economists expected. And we don't even have to listen to the economists. We're seeing it on a daily basis. You know, whether we're at the pumps, we're at the grocery store, uh, you know, housing, furniture, we're coming in, we're right in spring. It's beautiful weather. People want to spend money and be outside, but everywhere they turn, you know what? There is price increases and it's only going to get worse uh, right now. You know, that's, that's the problem. It's going to get worse for the short term. So now people have to start taking a look at what the solutions are going to be for the long term and what they can do to survive the short period. What's really adding to the uh, situation for many Canadians is that all of this comes as record debt continues to take its toll on household budgets. We have for years, Paul, you and I talked about the household debt ratio in this country now at an astounding record high of 1.86%. That's right. So what that really means for Canadians is for every dollar that you earn, you owe $1.86. And you're right, it has been increasing. And I remember us talking when it was, you know, $1.60, and it was going up, and we were saying we're at record levels now. And we are telling people back then, you have to prepare for it. And you know, however, Canadians, you know, they, they seem to be taking the slow and wait approach to it. And that's the problem. But we're starting to see it in some of the polls now. And the polls are saying that Canadians are starting to get uh, concerned. TransUnion recently put out a poll that said more than half of Canadians, 56%, are very concerned about uh, inflation. You know, 54% are not feeling confident about their household finance outlook for the next 12 months. So Canadians are starting to feel it. However, what we need to start seeing Canadians do is taking the proper approach to tackle this, not with the wait-and-see attitude. Well, let's talk a little bit about that with Paul Anadiak, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. So I'm sure you're hearing from more and more people who say, I need some help. Inflation's going up. Interest rates are going up. I'm paying more for food and gas and yada, yada, yada. What can I do? Where do you start? Well, first of all, it's the budget. And we talked for a number of year budgets, but we know that half of Canadians don't have budgets. The reason a budget is very key is because this is the area that you can start taking a look at where you can start trimming 
your monthly expenses so you can free up those funds so that you can absorb the inflationary costs. Now, a budget is fairly simple. You know, how much am I earning on a monthly basis compared to how much am I spending? And it's important when you sit down and go over a budget to be honest with yourself. You know, yes, maybe you've been going through the drive through a bit too many times than you want to, but be honest with yourself because that's a starting point where you can start cutting things, taking a look at those subscriptions right now, uh, you know, seeing where you can cut. And why this is very important, again, we're going to see inflationary pressures. Again, we're going to see interest rates increasing. So also at the same time, you need to start taking a look at your own debt situation. Uh, debt situation is a perfect place where you can also start trimming some costs because some people's debts are at a higher interest rate. Some of them as high as 30%. Now, interest rates are still very low, despite, you know, going up one base 50 basis points last month. So if you can cut some of your debt costs, that's going to help you at the grocery store. And that's going to help you at the pumps. We have a couple of minutes to talk about the different options available to Canadians who are seeing their debt load increase month after month after month. Um, we've heard about consumer proposals and bankruptcies and consolidation loans. Uh, and, and, and those are options that will work for specific individuals. That's right. We're hearing about that. And people are actually uh, taking advantage of those options. We're seeing people uh, more and more on a daily basis. Our offices are open. People are coming in. The Office of Superintendent of Bankruptcy is seeing a definite increase in consumer proposals and bankruptcies. Now, a lot of people... You don't want to take this approach right now because, you know, they're fearful of it. They're fearful of the bankruptcy word. However, the important thing is to speak to a licensed insolvency professional because we talk about bankruptcy, yes, but we talk about all your various options that are available. And you know what? You don't even have to take that route right now for information purposes say you're concerned about being struggling six to eight months down the road now is the time because the more you know the more you're going to be prepared down the road when those interest rate increases happen yeah and if you can call uh, paul at bdo debt solutions it's a free no obligation meeting uh, you know you set all the cards on the table and paul will outline the options that are available to you paul we're out of time but i appreciate your time today thanks for joining us and enjoy the weekend Thanks, Rick. Have a good weekend. You too. That's Paul Anadiak, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions. Yes, I'm sure that Paul and uh, many others in that industry are going to be extremely busy over the next few months tackling all this debt. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A GoFundMe campaign has been launched to help victims of a fire at the Bridge House in Hamilton. You'll recall back on Monday afternoon... A uh, fire at a uh, building on Barton Street East. One person taken to hospital. Four other tenants uh, have been left homeless. Maya Rehu is the executive director of The Bridge from Prison to Community and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Good morning, Maya. Good morning, Rick. First thanks thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, How are the victims of this fire doing? They're still in shock. They, uh, you know, one minute they're, um, you know, moving their lives forward and the next minute they're homeless. All of their possessions, um, everything that they've they had, their clothes are all gone. So they're, they're still just trying to wrap their head around everything. I can imagine. Where are they being housed? Are they staying with family, friends, local shelters? Right now they're in a hotel. The Red Cross put them up for three days in a hotel. And so we've been scrambling day and night trying to find them, you know, some sort of uh, temporary housing. We're fortunate one fellow was able to uh, go back um, uh, with uh, his social support, 
But uh, everybody else, we're, we're still scrambling trying to figure out, um, you know, what we're going to do with them. Are there many options out there? I mean, there's, there's not many affordable homes or not many spaces in local uh, shelters here in Hamilton. No, we went, uh, our caseworker went uh, around to all the shelters uh, looking for, for a place and everything is full. I understand that one of the residents uh, just got a full-time job as well. Um, yeah, actually, um, how our program works is that, um, you know, we help people reintegrate back into the community once they've been recently released from prison. And uh, one of the goals, you know, along with housing is, um, you know, finding ways for them to continue that stability and employment is an, an important part of that. And uh, so we had uh, one one person who um, is in a work, um, uh, like a work, um, like school to work program, right. placement program. Um, another person is was working and another person um was working in, uh, so, you know, one of the options for our folks is that they end up with like temporary placement options. And so this third person actually had gone through the temporary placement and it had just got full-time employment last week. Uh, any update on the cause of the fire or even a damage estimate at this point? Uh, no, the fire uh, is still under investigation. Is uh, the Bridge Hamilton looking for a new place to set up shop or are you going to be repairing this residence? Uh, we haven't had uh, discussions right now. Uh, everything is still um, really new, and so um, you know the insur- we're still uh, waiting to hear from the insurance company and what next steps are. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Maya Rehu, the executive director of The Bridge, from prison to community. It was uh, impacted greatly by a fire Monday afternoon in which one person was sent to hospital, four other tenants have been left homeless. Nice to see that many people have contributed to this GoFundMe page um, and, uh, you know, offering their support for these individuals. Yeah, I'd like to thank everybody in the community, you know, just for stepping up. There's a lot of, uh, you know, our our partner community organizations. I've been getting emails, um, you know, from other organizations offering what they can, offering space where, you know, we can continue to to serve people, offering uh, clothing, you know, just really trying to pitch in the, in in any way they can. So we were really we'd like to you know set the word out and say thank you so much. It's really uh, amazing to see that already more than two thousand dollars of the ten thousand dollar goal has been raised. You can go to GoFundMe and search out Barton Street residents homeless from fire and contribute to the campaign as well. Maya, really appreciate the time today. Best of luck with this initiative, and hopefully we can get these uh, tenants and these residents back on their feet very very soon. Thank you so much for your time, Rick. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Guy Lafleur passing away at the age of 70 after a long battle with lung cancer, the latest National Hockey League icon to, uh, well, leave us too soon. Mike Bossy also in that boat. He uh, died a, a week or so ago at the age of 65 after his battle with cancer as well. Um, yeah, another legend. Gone too soon. Uh, let's talk a little bit about 
The Flower, and uh, what happened last night at First Ontario Centre? Because there was a lot of offensive display that I'm sure Guy would have appreciated back in his days. The Bulldogs beat the Peets 5-2 in their first-round OHL playoff series at the Dog Pound. Reed Duffy is the play-by-play announcer of the Bulldogs and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Reed, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good. The the Flower passed away. Your memories and your thoughts about Guy Lafleur. You know, it's it's interesting, Rick. Uh, obviously, not uh, not old enough to have seen him play in his heyday. I did see him uh, play for the Quebec Nordiques and the uh, New York Rangers at the end of his career. But I grew up with my mom and my grandfather, both massive Habs fans, and Guy Lafleur was one of my grandfather's favorite players. Um, what a spectacular hockey player! Just the, the the smoothness of the skating. He was brilliant to watch up and down the ice there was nothing that he couldn't do with the puck on his stick he eluded checks and when he really wanted to get nasty in the corners he could get in there with the best of them he was a rare kind of player that could do it all and did it all and was a massive part of that juggernaut that the Montreal Canadiens had in the 1970s uh, I'm lucky enough to have uh Guy Lafleur's rookie card in my collection so that one uh We'll probably be moving into a frame and up on the wall, I think. <laughs> and that's saying a lot coming from a Bruins fan. And, uh, you know, that highlight was at the expense of Boston in overtime after the too many men uh, on the ice penalty that led uh, the uh, the Habs to win that series and, and go on to win uh, the Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, Guy Lafleur, you know, retired, I think it was 84 with the Habs and then came back with uh, the Nordique and then the Rangers and was, you know, t- to me, one of those guys that was just so electrifying. Like whenever he had the puck, even when he didn't have the puck, you noticed him on the ice and he did magical things. Uh, Guy Lafleur uh, dead at 70. Let's uh, switch gears and talk about last night's hockey game. Bulldogs, Pete's 5-2 for the good guys. As Logan, Logan Morrison potted a pair as Hamilton gets off on the right foot uh, in the uh, in the postseason. Uh, your thoughts on last night's game? It was a bit of a slow first period, but things uh, erupted in the second. Yeah, I think part of that, Rick, was that uh, the, the Hamilton Bulldogs came out and almost a feeling out period again with the Peterborough Peets. Michael Simpson had a strong first period. The Bulldogs got into a little bit of penalty trouble. And we said on the broadcast last night, they've just got to settle things down a little bit. Well, sure enough, in the second period, they got their heads about them. They settled in, and that's when you saw the offense explode. And we've talked about it before. If you start giving the Bulldogs opportunities in the offensive end, Odd man rushes, open lanes, or power plays, they can make you pay. And that's exactly what we saw. Power play goal from Jack Eye, open lane from McTavish. Net, uh, Gomel scrambled that Anderson rolls in, and within a few minutes, it's a 3 nothing hockey game. And that completely changed the, the look of how things were going. Really, when you look at the Bulldogs goaltending, which has been exceptional all season long by Marco Costantini, um, you know, the the two goals that he allowed in, one was a deflection, the other one kind of a scramble in which, you know, and not many goalies would have stopped. He played a really calm, quiet, and comfortable game last night. He did, and that's what we've seen out of Marco, as you said, Rick, all season long. We've come to expect it. There, there wasn't anything he could have done on, on the first goal. It was a great tip by Brian Zanetti through the slot, really. And the second one, you can see Gavin White's reaction turned to Marco and gave him a tap on the pads. Nobody was expecting Donovan McCoy to shoot from that angle, and White ended up actually screening Marco. So, you know, it's funny when you win the game, I guess, in that scenario. And Marco just, again, another 20-save performance, save percentage over 900, goals against it too. Like, we're just seeing him do what he's done 
all season long and make the big saves when it was needed. Look in the first period, three stops when that game was 0-0 that, again, make the difference and allow the team to get that offense rolling. And he just has found a completely different level with his game. Got a minute left with Reed Duffy, play-by-play announcer with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Monday night, Game 2. Uh, your thoughts going into this game and what the Bulldogs have to do to take that 2 nothing lead? More of the same from what we saw in the second and early in the third period. Keep your head about you. Peterborough, we know what they're going to try to do here. They're going to try to get under the Bulldogs' skin. In a 1-8 matchup, the 8 seed has to get the 1 seed off its game and get an advantage that way. The Bulldogs were able to recenter themselves and get everything rolling the way they wanted through the second and into the third last night. That's the way they're going to have to play. Stay out of the penalty box. Don't give up unnecessary opportunities and cash in on yours you can take that two nothing lead it's there for you as long as you've got the head on the shoulders game two monday seven o'clock at the dog pound reads uh, good luck with the call a uh, great call last night as well and uh, we'll talk to you next week thanks very much trick always a pleasure and uh, again uh condolences to the friends and family of uh, gila fleur and another one gone too soon on us but uh it's uh it's it's just such an unfortunate one and we'll always have the memories of what he could do that is indeed very true. Reed Duffy, play-by-play announcer of the Hamilton Bulldogs game to Monday night. We'll be giving away two tickets to that game, not only this afternoon on Hamilton Today, but on Monday morning on Good Morning Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Today, if you've been paying attention, is Earth Day. This is an initiative that started all the way back in 1970. How are we doing? How is Canada combating climate change are we succeeding can we say that and if not where can we do better tim gray is the executive director of environmental defense and joins us now on good morning hamilton good morning tim how are you good morning rick how are you i'm okay can we say canada is doing well in combating climate change no we can say canada is doing poorly at combating climate change unfortunately um we're actually uh, the worst of all g7 countries in terms of uh our efforts to reduce carbon emissions that are causing climate change. So, yeah, I know we're doing pretty poorly. So where are we following? What what are we not doing that other countries are doing better, I guess? Yeah, so other countries are doing a much better job of transitioning their economy to one that uses clean energy and reducing their use of fossil fuels. Um, we're going in the opposite direction. Our, our emissions have actually climbed since we signed the Paris Accord uh, in 2015. And, of course, that accord was international and you know, committed us and the rest of the world to reducing our emissions so that uh, we didn't see more than 1.5 degrees of of increased heating on the planet. So, you know, we're going backwards and we need to be going forward. So what is a simple thing that, um, let's take the oil and gas sector, uh, you know, mm-hmm. apart from drastically overhauling what they do, because that's not going to happen overnight, what's a simple thing or, or an easy thing, or maybe the least costliest thing, because they'll look at the bottom line, that that sector can do to get a little bit more greener? Yeah, so the oil and gas sector needs to stop expanding, and it needs to get smaller over time. Um, so decisions that were made recently, like you may have heard about the federal government approving a massive new oil and gas field off the coast of Newfoundland uh, that's going to produce up to a billion gallon or barrels of oil, things like that are obviously the, the wrong uh, decisions to be making in the middle of a climate crisis. So we need to be making the oil industry uh, smaller. 
And then uh, for Canadians, um, you know, we really need to be thinking about uh, not driving the biggest, most gas-guzzling vehicles on the planet. <laughs> we, we are, we're the worst consumers of gasoline per capita uh, of anywhere in the world. Uh, so we need to be thinking about driving different kinds of vehicles. And, uh, of course, recently I think people uh, have that uh, top of mind perhaps now with the price of fuel. Um, you know, if you're driving a V8 pickup truck to commute to work, uh, you'd be paying a lot of money for that right now. There is a commitment by the federal government to think the years 2030 or 2035 that all new vehicles will have to be electric. I mean, that's encouraging. It's still a long ways away, though. It is, and it's much further out than most other uh, countries in the Western world. So we need to accelerate that. And one of the things the federal government is committed to doing in the last election, um, and we'll be working on this, is to bring in electric vehicle mandate because uh, right now uh, the major car companies usually have a couple of models that are electric, but they don't produce very many of them. And so when people actually want to buy one of these vehicles, they find that they're going to have to wait six months, eight months, or a year. And of course, most people, when they want to replace their car, uh, you know, it's broken down or it's got so old that they can't drive anymore. They really need something sooner than that. So. The car companies actually have to be forced to produce these cars so people can actually buy them. We're talking about Earth Day with Tim Gray, Executive Director of Environmental Defense on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Uh, We heard earlier this month from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which published a report that warned of the dangers of uh, rising global warming levels, uh, pointing to that 1.5 degree kind of thresholds, but said that that was beyond reach. Uh, because of the significant emissions that um, across all sectors, not just the automobile sector, um, is that beyond reach? Are we are we past the point of no return here? Yeah, we're getting close to being past the point of being able to keep it to 1.5 degrees, which means we're locking into um, already serious changes to the climate, uh, serious impacts on our quality of life, on food supply, on the pace and scale of major events like forest fires, flooding, etc. But, of course, the longer that we don't do uh, meaningful things to change uh, the trajectory, don't reduce our emissions, the, the higher the temperature will get. And, of course, the consequence is more severe. So everything that we can do, and as soon as we can do it, uh, really, really makes sense. Um, so, you know, in Ontario, for example, we really need to get back on track and actually have a climate plan. Um, the current government canceled the, the climate plan that was brought in by the previous government uh, as soon as they were elected. Uh, that needs to be revisited. Um, we need to get back to producing, uh, re- regener- being able to produce renewable energy through solar and wind uh, and allowing people to actually be able to sell that onto the electricity grid so that we can electrify everything. We need to electric uh, heating and air source heat pumps for our homes. We need to change our transportation systems to electric. And we need to stop burning so much uh, fossil fuels. So there's a lot of things that uh, that can be done, and, and government really needs to play a leading role in this, both through policy, but also also by supporting people to make these transitions. This year's uh, theme on Earth Day is invest in our planet. How can Canadians do so, not only today, but throughout the year? Yeah, so, you know, right now, for example, um, if you are going to be doing something with your home, um, for example, your furnace is getting old and it's time to get rid of it, really think about switching to uh, an air source uh, heat pump instead of having that gas furnace. There's uh, $5,000 in support available to do that right now from um, the federal government. 
um, you'll actually save money in the long term and you'll make a huge difference. You'll actually save tons and tons of carbon dioxide from going into the atmosphere every year. So think about that. Um, if you are looking to buy a new car or trade your car, um, if you're just trading in and you have a big gas guzzling vehicle right now, get something smaller. Uh, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, really think about uh, looking for an electric vehicle. That'll uh, save you a huge amount of money over the lifetime of the vehicle, lower maintenance costs, uh, lower transportation costs for sure. Um, if you're thinking about you know, travel, uh, really think about traveling maybe closer to home instead of those really, really long uh, jet flights. Transportation, of course, is a big source of, uh, of emissions. So there's a lot of things that people can do individually. And if you're also thinking about, uh, you know, the, the long term for your house and, you, and you're gonna be in your, you think you're going to be in your house for quite a long time, think about things like solar uh, electricity on your roof that you can feed back into the grid and reduce your electricity bill to zero or uh, solar hot water heating, which uh, is very efficient and uh, will heat most of your hot water needs over the course of the year. Great tips. Tim, thanks for the time today, and happy Earth Day. You too. Have a great day. You too. Tim Gray, Executive Director, Environmental Defense. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Oh, Italy. It has some phenomenal food we know, amazing landscapes. The people aren't too bad either. (laughs) So much so that a Brown bear in a uh, remote Italian town between uh, Rome and Napoli, Naples, uh, called Roccarasso, has a bit of a bear problem. It's not what you think, though. I mean, there's not hordes of bears encroaching on this tiny town of 1,500 people. No, they have one. They have one bear in particular who, well, really, really likes the local cooking, because not once. Not twice, but now for a third time, officials in this town are trying to relocate this bear, which continues to go into trash cans, break into bakeries, and eat, quote-unquote, human food. So how should cities (laughs) tackle this issue when a bear decides to have a good time out on the town? Uh, Andrew Holland is a National Media Relations Director with Nature Conservancy of Canada and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm okay. I can't blame this bear for coming back. I mean, he is feasting on some pretty tasty treats in this Italian town. Well, like if it were me and I was had a, a, a crack at a bakery, I'd be there with him. <laughs> <laughs> I love bakeries. I've never seen a bakery I didn't like, so uh, i got to give them hats off for that but yeah plain and simple uh, brown bears or as we call them here in canada grizzly bears uh they have a real keen sense of smell and hearing uh, great eyesight uh, it's a great intro you, you had about how far this bear came for a third time but the reality is they love to wander large distances they travel 80 kilometers or 50 miles a day. Hmm. Yeah, so the first time this happened, uh, you know, the, the bear was kind of hanging around and the town folk kind of got used to it because it was going, as I said, in garbage cans, you know, feeding off of some leftovers. So they thought, you know, this could become potentially a bad situation. Let's relocate the bear. So they sent the bear 15 miles out of town and it made its way back into town after a month or so. And uh, as I mentioned, broke into a bakery at one time and feasted on some of the tasty treats that that were uh, ready to be sold the next day. They relocated the bear, 
they're 100 miles out of town at this conservancy and lo and behold, it's back for a third time. Is is the bear hanging around because the food is just much easier to find in this community? Uh, without knowing the local situation beyond reading the article, it's hard to say. I mean, typically bears will roam because they're opportunistic in terms of feeding. They're skilled hunters. They have a very uh, strong sense of smell, so they want to sniff out food. Uh, and they will look for it in our own communities, quite frankly, whether they're black bears or, or others, because they've lost their habitat. Uh, they've moved closer to where we live due to our encroachment and, and habitat loss. So, and like I said, in, in terms of uh, brown bears, you might want to move them 15 minutes out of town, but really that's not very far when you when you consider they can go they can travel 80 kilometers a day so um their home ranges are, are large as a result of that yeah this guy is persistent i'll say that andrew holland is our <laughs> guest on good morning hamilton on 900 chml a national media relations director with the nature conservancy of canada now that this bear has had a taste of human food how difficult is it going to be to remove the bear to a more natural habitat because I guess it's used to eating, you know, leftover cookies or whatever the case is. Yeah, that's a great question because with, in addition to cookies at the bakery, th these bears usually uh, eat a lot of fish, uh, blackberries, blueberries, nuts, leaves. A lot of bears are vegetarians, um, but the, the idea would be to relocate the bear safely maybe further away in some native habitat, natural habitat for them. Uh, that would be the suggestion, because obviously it's, a, it's a, a nuisance bear. If it's come back three times, obviously what they've tried to do hasn't worked as, as well. So uh, they may need to look at other habitats where this bear could go that's maybe further away and won't be a nuisance for the bakery and, and other folks. Is there a danger that the bear goes on to other bears to say, hey, it's it's good in Roccarasso, Italy here. you you got to join me. Is it, could that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, bears do hang out together. They do hibernate, uh, you know, upwards of seven months a year, uh, you know, but whether they would follow each other. Brown bears are usually solitary uh you know that's typically what what they are but it depends on, on on where they're located typically if they if they have a food source close to where they're at they'll stay there but something is uh, wherever they're putting the bear maybe there's not as much food around so that's why they're they're traveling more and searching for it yeah, I, I was just picturing, you know, a couple of bears, one with, you know, a pastry chomping down on it, another bear crosses his <laughs> path and say, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, it's just down the street in Roccarasso. Uh, this summer, yeah. as we know, many Ontarians are going to be heading uh, north uh, for weekend getaways and camping trips. If they come across a bear, you know, what's some, what are some of the tips that you have for campers who encounter bears? Uh, make yourself loud, uh, you know, in terms of it's a good thing to have a bell or a whistle to make noise, and if you see a bear, wave your arms so that you're seen. Don't run away because they can run after you type thing, and they're very fast. Uh, but basically make yourself 
stand loud and holler, go away, bear, go away, wave your arms and, and make noise. And typically, uh, bears will go in the other direction. Uh, sometimes just be mindful of where you're going because there, there, there could be a food source nearby or there could be their, their, their cub bears nearby. And so a mother bear, for example, could be protecting its young. So that's where uh, we encourage people, if you're going out into nature, into wilderness, stick to known trails. Don't venture off into the wilderness because you could come into um, an interaction with wildlife, whether it's a coyote or whether it's bears and this type of thing. So stick to the trails. Good tips, Andrew. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the weekend. Uh, thank you. And if I can just mention something quickly, Rick, yeah. today is Earth Day. And if people want to check out something on our Facebook page today, as I was talking to Liz yesterday, at 11 o'clock Eastern Time today, if you want to go to the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Facebook page, we're announcing the largest private land conservation project in Canadian history. Joining us is the Federal and Ontario Ministers of the Environment. I can't tell you more than that because I'd break the embargo, but it's a, a, lar- a substantial announcement, the largest project in the con- country's history. And uh, again, 11 o'clock Eastern time today on the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Facebook page. We will check it out. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.